Inside LAFC, episode eight. Welcome. We've made it to the eighth episode of our little project here, Max Bradoff and Vince LaRosa. And we are thrilled to be with you once again. Obviously, coming off a week where not all is well in the kingdom of LAFC, but there are going to be weeks like this. We knew that. Coming off the uh, midweek defeat to the Vancouver Whitecaps, we will get into that game and we'll look ahead to not one, but two matchups with the Seattle Sounders coming up against the best two teams in Major League Soccer. That is no minor detail. And as we like to remind you, please subscribe to our podcast so we can provide more good material for you and leave comments and questions, reviews. Don't be that one dude and leave a one-star review and don't mention what you didn't like. Because if you don't like something, tell us. We'll fix it because we will do anything for you, the viewer, right? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to give off that it bothers me as much as it does, but it does. Yeah, it just if eats away at my core. I'm not gonna lie. I can take the words, but the the one star is just killer. It's like being ghosted. I know that's a thing we do yeah. now. That's a modern culture thing. But I, I just don't ghost us, guys. The reality is, if we get enough one star reviews, we will be off the air. Those are the facts. Max, I like that you started this. We started this very mellow as if we're at like a funeral well, possession. Just so you know, because we're checking the audio and I did not want to blow the audio off the tracks. So are, I'm trying to Are you to paying too much? You're, you're paying to the jump in audio too much. There's an audio thing. Green, good. Yellow, okay. Red, bad. I don't want to get in the red. And I can get in the red. Trust me. So uh, let's get into this. We, uh, we will have a special guest as well, but we'll get into that very shortly because we're going to have more guests. I know that's something you guys want. And we're going to be doing that a lot more often as we move into the spring and the summer and the business end of the LAFC season. So first midweek game, uh, first game on turf for LAFC, and that is no minor detail. Wow, you're shaking your head. Uh, that, can we even call that turf? St- let's start there. That was yeah. the worst surface. I mean, Yankee Stadium has its concerns, but it's grass. They'll play at Nippert Stadium. They'll play at Atlanta. That's all turf. But this was almost concrete. You could see the way that ball whipped around there. That I mean, I, I call a game. I have a cadence in my head when I call a game. I could not really get into it. I'm not making excuses if I had a bad broadcast. Based on all reports, my broadcast was spectacular. But there's a cadence. <laughs> there's a cadence in my head, and I was very difficult to keep up because of the pace of that ball. And I think I've gotten to the rhythm with LAFC and the way they play, and it was just out. Of, I was like, ah, no. This isn't, this isn't the way it's going to do. So Vancouver used that to their advantage, and they got a one-zip win. But that was pretty gnarly. I know Bob wasn't too pleased about it either afterwards. Well, my biggest question was what, what changed? Because we played at Vancouver last year, and, uh, I mean, we can talk the game aside, but let's just talk solely about the turf. The turf seemed different. It seemed like they whatever padding they had, they, it's now been removed. It was literally a piece of carpet over some concrete. And like you said, yeah, the ball whipped around. You couldn't get it under control. It just – it looked like guys were – they were battling with the ball, trying to keep it at their feet more than, than they were playing. There was a Latif blessing where he got uprooted. And at one time on the Henry uh, foul where he – it looked like he was shot out of a moving car onto the asphalt. It was bum, 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 bum. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's, the, that that's one of the – And some of their players had to deal. There's Ali Adnan. He got hit by one, and he hit hard. And you could see him grab and came punching – the surface as well that's one of the biggest worries right especially when you have a player like latif number one worry he number goes one worry. yeah forget about the quality of game forget about how it doesn't appeal to a certain team or how it what it does to the ball you don't want to get people get hurt that's number one yeah if you lose players skilled players all because of a turf problem that's that's the worst look for this league and i had people 
sending me tweets after is like, if you're going to come in as, and all due respect to Cincinnati, I know you're on a turf field and you're going to get a nice field, but if you come into this league and your first plan is to start with turf, that's got to be, right. we've got to stop. Well, Cincinnati is going to get a field, uh, a stadium with natural grass. Theirs is very spongy, which is still not ideal, but you can see that it gives, it's a little resistance there for the players. But, you know, that was, it is what it is. So you got to deal with it. And I think LAFC, as they go on the road, circle these things. And there's games where, oh, okay, when they go to Allianz Field, it's going to be great. New stadium, kind of what they have at Bank of California Stadium, real grass. But there's those challenges that you just want to kind of get them behind you. Yankee Stadium is one. They yeah. did that. And now here, this is behind them, which is good news. But there's they're going to have to go to a few more places. Seattle in a couple of weeks. Portland, when but then they get up there down the road. These are going to be concerns because they're going to have to deal with uh, the, uh, a field that's different than what they're accustomed to. Yeah, it's tough to go into a match and know that you got to deal with a competitor, but then yeah, you've you've already circled knowing it's like it dips you, dips you down just a level. It's like you don't even start at 100 percent because you've already thought about it. It's in the back of your head. You try to block it out. Say, well, it's the field for both teams, whatever. But it just it's there. It's got to be there, and I know it's got to be there. And I think one other aspect of the game that I, I I'd like to bring up, and I'd like to ask you about this. How do you feel about the term trap game? I have thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um that felt certainly like it. I think, let, well, let's, let me set up the table because this was an opportunity. I know some people on Twitter are giving me feedback. Why do they play all the inexperienced guys? And obviously you give up a lot of experience. I think the number of appearances between Jordan Harvey and Stephen Betashore uh, in the Major League is, is soccer is somewhere like 530. And then you replace them with two guys who I think had a combined five or six appearances. So obviously you're giving up a lot. But then you put Peter Lee Vassal, who's also going to mm-hmm. – you know that this is an op- this is I think a situation where you build you do this so that the next time you call upon these kids and they will uh, they have something uh, under their belt. Would you like to see a better performance? Would you like to see them executed? Yes. Could you could you assume that was going to happen? Absolutely not, because it's a tough spot. You would like to see them come through, but I think it, trap game. I, I don't feel it. I think this was. It was a strange place to give these opportunities out, but I don't know if it's a trap game. I think there was time to get ready. I think it felt like I, I think going to the there was this because of the desperation of the Whitecaps and to think of how poor their season started. If they get a win against LAFC, you know, all of a sudden the tenor around their their team is a lot better. You beat the best team in Major League Soccer, so I think there's a lot of things to put into the pot here that would have suggested that LFC was going to have a game where uh, they would not have seen things go their way. Here's why trap game drives me crazy. You don't like them. I don't like it. Cause one, it, you can say it, it almost, was, the guys weren't going to have their heads yeah. down. They were like, they were enthusiastic. They just had a few unique circumstances. Here's the thing. Anytime there's a midweek game, you can say trap game. Okay, fine. Anytime there's a team that is, hasn't won or is at much lower level than LFC trap game. And I feel like people say trap game because it's so banal. It's so, it doesn't mean anything at all. So that when you say it, somebody just goes, okay, yeah, trap game, whatever. They forget about it. And then if it happens to... Trap that, game. Yeah, if I LFC, never said trap game on the broadcast. If LFC for the happens record. to lose, you can go, ha, told you, trap game. If they win, no one remembers that you said trap game because it's one of those passing terms that it means nothing. It's a tough game. It's yeah. a tough game. It's all the, the games are tough. You have to go through the – I know I bring this all the time. You have to go through the uh, immigration in Canada. It's going to eat up another 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour of your time. Yes. You've got to deal with that surface. You've got to deal with a desperate team. There's nothing trap about it. It's just all these ingredients that are going to make it difficult. A short week, getting out of your routine, absolutely. 
Vancouver's going to deal with the same thing. Everyone's going to get out of the routine. So not buying it. Good. I'm glad you got that out. Yeah, I just I really don't like the term trap game because it just seems it seems so hindsight. So, oh, you see, told you trap game because and the way I looked at it and I had a lot of people coming to me after the game like, t- t- tell me, Vince, tell me something. Sky's falling. And I, I get it. You don't. And I think someone actually say the sky's falling. Not nah, close enough. I mean, in, in not so much equal terms. And I saw you responding to some people about the youngsters. And I thought your your response about the deep end, it, it makes a lot of sense. And these guys are going to learn. But I would say a few things on that. First of all, I know you're upset, and I don't want to invalidate people as upset. And I think, but I think the reason why people are upset is because that game was just not fun to watch. No. I mean, you were calling it, and you said your cadence. I mean, that's part of your rhythm. That's part of what we like to see. Never got that's, into it. That's what makes games good or bad is rhythm, right? And it just it had nothing. So I can understand if people are feeling down because when your team wins and the game has no rhythm, at least you have something to fall back on. Your team loses to a team that hasn't won. And then the game has no rhythm. You're just like, you're, you're searching for answers. You're in an empty room. But if you look at it, like all those things that we said, turf, rotation, travel, midweek game, big game coming up, and there were still chances to equalize. And if you equalize, still chances to possibly score. I can think of a, a few just off the top of my head. I mean, the sky's not falling. Right. Well, and I, I, I don't want people to point at the kids to say this is why things went haywire. And I promise you what I meant with that tweet, I, I do. Look, l- having a game like this lose, the kids are going to put their heads down. But this is great for them. This is great to be put in this situation, to see how they react. Many times, uh, maybe the case Schaffer, he was beaten on, where, on the initial run off the goal. He comes back, and that doesn't happen later. You've got to learn, and this is the best way to learn. You could do it a thousand times in practice, but you've got to go to the games. And it's not going to go your way. way. But Bob Bradley's going to be the coach who's going to say, all right, Gabriel, we're going to do this again. We're going to, I'm going to call your number again. So I don't want to see that. It wasn't on their shoulders. This is something if the regular guys were in there, could have been a very similar situation. May certainly have been. But uh, I don't want to fall on them too much. The other thing, and I don't want to sound too whiny here, and I want to get out of the way we can talk about the game, was uh, the two red card situations, potentially. And um, the first one on Latif Blessing coming around, uh, Daniil Henry coming in hard, and it was a really gruesome landing for Blessing because he was going so fast. Right. I would tend to think I would have kept that as a yellow. The second one with yeah, yellowish. Bon I think you guys yellowish, said yellowish. Yellowish. Two minutes in bin, where Rossi was through, and Inbom Huang came up on his knee and completely interrupted a run. Play killer. That to me is a red card. That to me is a red. And that one is scary because that to me that is an ACL blowout type tackle and, that's, and again a guy going very fast on that basically some field where if anything it's going to create you these guys were flying yeah and the only justification for the referee is uh well he's it's before midfield okay fine i get that but you're not even going to look at it yeah like he put his hand to his ear you're not even going to look at it he t- i mean i wonder also well if above the ball. Long, who did nothing g- grievous uh in the game by any means that if that played a role because uh, he seems like a very fair player and but then all that was against the character we've seen from him all season didn't really carry many cards it well, doesn't I, matter and the flip side is uh you know I, I love as much as i love diego rossi the, the referees know rossi's got a reputation rossi went down in the area that one time and i mean he came up to the referee and said i got hit in the chin i mean if you get hit in the face and you're in the area it wasn't a penalty but you gotta no. But he legitimately lie. You don't does just rule get it out because it's yeah. Rossi. He legitimately does get hit in the face, and you can say, "Yeah, that's not a penalty; it's inadvertent. That's fine." Maybe, and maybe Diego needs to just bring it down a notch or two. But I would say to people that are losing their minds, like, "Well, why does he go crazy all the time?" You run full speed. 
I'll smack you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, see right. what, we'll see if you, uh, we'll see if you're able to just keep, have to go through it. That. All right. At some point, we saw that, I think, at the Real Salt Lake game where they he got the red card against, I forgot the Real Salt Lake player at the end, uh, but it was it was building up in the game. And at some point, refs like, okay, look, you can get away with a little bit, but at some point I have to put the hammer down. Yeah. I mean, uh, okay, let's let's move on from the – let's talk a little bit about the game. What Was there any other aspects? I have a few thoughts on, on, well, on the think, game. Well, I think – what we saw last season, there's moments where Carlos Vela is not involved as much. And I think there's points where I saw him way up on the right side, which is an effective position for him because that's where he cuts back. That's where he can the zona de the zona de vela right I like, there. I like that. I never haven't ever since I brought it up, I've not been able to use it. But that's where he's good. But if he's not touching the ball, I you wonder if that's effective for LAFC I don't know the answer maybe if he plays a more central role that throws things out of whack a bit but I think last season when we saw a similar situation where he wasn't getting the touches that happened it worked sometimes sometimes it didn't but I would I'd I'd like to see him on the ball as much as possible but credit to Vancouver they did their very best to make sure that wasn't the case but this is things that LAFC has to work through because where Vela goes, this team goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but the the point, the fact of the matter is Carlos is a marked man wherever he goes. So you can move him centrally and you can tell him he has free reign to go wherever he wants. So he will do it. And he did do it in that game. And he started to be more effective at times. But really what you want from Carlos is he, he works so well with other players. And if he can't combine, you can't just keep playing the ball out wide to him and say, hey, there's two men to create some magic. He can only do so much. So I think in that game, the problem was they could not break that first line of pressure and really get kind of a, a moment of, of true possession in behind that first line of pressure because what that does is that engages the defense. That's when Carlos is, is at his best because he can read a defense. He can read things. If he's got a man that takes even the slightest step in the wrong direction, Carlos has gone you know, the other way and you can find him. So I think when people say, Carlos and Diego in some respects, you know, what they just didn't do anything. You know, it, it's got to cut both ways. The teammates got to help out. The LAFC is a timing-based team. I would say to all those people that continuously bring up, we're a possession team, we're a possession team. We like the ball. Yes, of course, we have skilled players. We're technically gifted. But we're not a possession team per se. We're more a timing-based team because we try things. We want to go, you know, you want to go centrally. You want to try to force issues. The way to do that is have windows open and close. And in order to have windows open and close, you have to be on the ball. Right. You, can't, you can't just send out diagonals. You can't just roll it out to Carlos and say, hey, uh, Christian, now get in the box. That's, that's not how we work. And, I would, and now that I bring up Christian, I, I would have liked to see Christian peel off his, his marker a little bit more. Did not see a lot of him in the game. And, and but the that one is also time, an, that is also a, a reflection off of things. Again, part the windows of, not opening. Part of the I love that. Not. I love that. By the way, I'm going to start using that. The windows opening, one window, sliding doors. Yeah. And uh, it just never really got to it. And I think when you know you're not getting that, that's where you want to see that that response where you can kind of help the midfielders or or what have you. Because we, we mentioned Vela, the you know the domino effect. You don't see much Vela. Rossi was was good at times not as ubiquitous as you're accustomed to seeing and Ramirez not so much at all yeah and I don't I don't want to hammer on Christian I mean he's part of that equation as well look he can't if he can't get service if the if the guys can't get true possession in those areas then you're not going to be able to to get in <laughs> I just want to say we have a special guest here we have a special Tom, guest. he's just, he's just gonna Tom come Penn. on in well you know what do you want to just get into this, this? Uh, we well, can't talk about we, Vancouver the whole time we can't Tom Penn ladies and gentlemen our illustrious leader I, I have to I have to get his levels going <laughs> hold on is this live? You are live. <laughs> Take a seat. You, you, you're live in our room. I, I mean, 
You are a second segment, so we're going to talk, get your thoughts on something really quick, and then we'll get into the second segment. This is a fluid situation, so we, the door is always open if anyone wants to walk in on our podcast. I like that. All right. How's his up, Mike? Uh, check, I'm, I'm, one, two. I'm working. Check, uh, now he's check, good. Yeah, check. that's that's the Tom Penn I know. Check, one, two. Tom, can I tell Don't I, get in the red. Be, before we go into Tom's long, longer interview, can I just tell you, going to the Christmas party last year, yes. uh, my, my partner, Cody, she says to me, uh, who is everyone? I go, well, there's a lot of, lot of people. Um, so I'm trying to name off names. I go this, blah, blah. And I got to, I go, I go, I think Tom's going to be there. I go, you know what? You'll hear him talk. You'll know he, he, he's a president. Just, just hear his voice. It's the tenor of your voice. You can just tell that that man is uh, is team president. So well, thank you. So that was, that was my, that was <laughs> my, that was her introduction to you. Like, see with Tom, with me, he's like, he's a team president, but look, I've worked for a lot of people and People in uh, in authoritative authoritative positions sometimes are intimidating. I'm not saying you aren't because you gotta make some big decisions come in. But I've always felt so comfortable coming through the doors, and you're always very welcoming. And I I just well that means a lot because that's how it should be. It should be that I way. I mean, we're in sports and entertainment for crying out loud, and if we can't enjoy this, we got something wrong. But right. but you know how it works. It's uh, it's like any other job. You get into the the challenges and the uh, personalities and and the, there's conflict, and then there's resolution, and we just got to keep moving upward. I figure there's something in your upbringing where you're very polite, you're very welcoming, you bring people in, you uh, you create an environment where I, I can go in any office. I swear, look, I, wherever I work for, it was very you get to sort of make an appointment. Go, hey, can I come and see? I don't feel that around here. I'm not no, going to well, barge in your office or anything, but it's not. But I, this is it's not just me. This is the club, right? I mean, when we founded this thing we wanted to be unifying at every level and if you can't do that within your own culture you're never going to do it for the community so we've tried to be as open and unifying and collaborative as possible internally and it's still a battle right you have yeah. two steps forward one step back you know you have to keep hiccups. it going all the as good even when it's really really good you have to say all right how do we keep it here how do we find that next step even though Sometimes you feel like, does it get better than this? Yeah. It's felt, I've had a couple moments with this club that time where like, this can't get any better. Yeah. But you got to find that next it step. And always, I think you guys are always thinking that it way. It can always get better, and it needs to. You need to grow, and we need to evolve. And, um, you know, we're really just getting started. Do you have any thoughts on the Vancouver game? Uh, yeah. Some X's and O's. I've already forgotten it. Good. <laughs> okay. Good thoughts. What? So, look, Let me it was, you know, it was one of those MLS road games midweek. Bad turf, <laughs> you know, all so the excuses. Said. You know the rest of the we excuses. We made some excuses, yeah. Um, we'll see. we just see how we bounce back on, on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, we, we weren't going we to roll through this thing undefeated. We knew that. And really, how does the team respond? And do we sharpen our focus? And do we get after it on Sunday? Because it's going to be a big challenge. Well, before you brought it down, I thought we weren't going to talk to Tom about Vancouver because I, I, I didn't want to I make him all dour. Put, I wanted to put a wrap on the Vancouver I know, segment. I just we had got to stop a, now. we got to go to the next segment. I know, right? Max. I just had such a good segue. I think we just roll with it. Let's just roll. Really? We're rolling. Yeah, we're rolling. I want to say this. We, you had such a By good way, segue. Left-handed hold, mic hold. That's yeah, new for me. Yeah. Right. By the way, welcome to our show. It's all just misdirections and, and cul-de-sacs <laughs> and whatnot. But let me say this. Uh, Max, you brought up that how can it get better? And I think that's how people looked at it maybe when they came to that first game of the season. And then Dio scores SKC. It's like, that's how it gets better. And I want to ask you this question because we're, we're now at one year. One year, the door is open. Tell me, I mean, 
Tell me yeah, what your thoughts are feeling right now. Anniversary, right? Yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. Ribbon the, cutting was yesterday. Was a year ago. Yeah. I my son saw it on our social post and I didn't realize it. And I'm normally pretty good about that, but for for some reason I think of the 29th more as the you know, the true opening day because that was when we played, but yeah, that ribbon cutting was awesome. What a great reflection. I remember this is like it's a new stadium. You walk in and everything's so fresh and new. I remember going through the stairwell and it smelled just, you know, like freshly laid cement and paint. And I yeah. loved it. But then there's this great, this great feeling of putting time in and memories. And then you see the stadium kind of age a little bit with you. And I, I remember where I was sitting when this happened. Where, and that year, I mean, obviously being new is great. And everything, but that year to me is really cool because now I look in the, every time I walk in that place, there's memories start rolling through. And that's just going to the snowball. And I think the venue itself is really just it's like a sponge taking that and there's going to be ghosts and so forth going yeah. on there. It's really cool. Yeah. The energy there is so joyful. We've always talked about that. That's what we sensed when it started was just, you could just feel joy from everyone. And the question on how do we get better? I mean, that was just, that's, that was the, that's our clean theme for this year is to get better in every way. So the play on the pitch has gotten better. They're more cohesive. They know each other's nuances. Carlos has elevated his play, so on and so forth. You know, Mark Anthony Kay looks more than a year older and stronger and more confident. So you've just seen all these improvements on the pitch. The 32-52 are getting better. I mean, we don't know what they're going to do on Sunday, right? I mean, nothing is planned by theirs. It's like this is what the new songs, the new the picking up of the shoe, and the, it's all will, very organic. There's a lot of organic, but I would say they do plan a lot more than you think. Like these these guys know what they're doing, and and yeah. to Tom's point, they're getting better and better at it. But I think part of that organic is the fact that if you plan so much, you can have those opportunities to do something fun every once in a while. That's right. It's like get luck. You know, you get lucky if you're actively in the business looking for it, and they're actively in the business of improving and you know the call to arms new chant and song they came up with on the fly was just amazing that's like that's one of the coolest stories ever in sports i mean sure. you hatch it out on the at the pre-tailgate and by the third time you do it the whole stadium's doing it that was just awesome 100 percent. so so we don't know what's next that's the cool part we really don't we don't know where this goes, we don't know. We, I have a sense it's going to be good, and we know we're going to have major challenges along the way, but the overall trend is our friend here. The, uh, the one thing that is pointed out to me when people experience it for the first time is like, how is this, this fan base feels like it's been here for 20 years, and it's obviously been here for a year and a half, although a couple of years, I think, prior to, people don't give them enough credit for building that up. Yeah. Once this team was announced leading up to the actual first game, but do you get people coming up to you saying that? And what was, how, how was that be, did that exceed your expectations for to have a fan base that feels like it's been there for so long? Yeah, I get that question all the From time. From other clubs that are looking there, there's so many clubs beginning. Yeah, you got to be a bit of a rock star when you go to these other MLS places. Meetings? Yeah, managers like, how did you, no, how did so you get much. this? Oh, come on. <laughs> it's Tompin. No, no, not so much. Look, we're one of, all of the expansion teams are having major success in their own way. You know, Atlanta, we all know how successful that has been, and we're all chasing them, both on the pitch and in 
commercial activity and, and impacting community. They're, they're best in class with what they've had. Uh, it's sort of our turn to have our sophomore season and build on the success of the first year. But then you see what's happening in Cincinnati and the buzz around that. So there's a bit of a tailwind here. There's a bit of a, you know, rising tide factor where we're benefiting from that. So this isn't all us. Uh, we're just sort of doing it in our own way, and we're trying to do it the L.A. way. So that part's fun, and there's no question that there's a buzz around the electricity of the 3252, and just that whole thing has got everybody buzzing for sure. You are uh, from the Midwest. You uh, professionally spend a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest. You've got this L.A. field, you know. I, if I look at it, I say, this guy's this guy's L.A. I could see you. I've seen you there in the, in the South Bay, li- enjoying life, hitting the beach. Hey, it's easy to get used to. <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't. Some people are like I can't get used to, it, but you just and I think people get that feeling from you when they when they deal with you because I think you have to have a Los Angelino feel to shoot from the hip with folks here. Well, there's a little bit the the opportunity that I had that others don't was we were charged with trying to. F- bring Los Angeles together. So I'm not here just as a transplant with my head down doing my job, I guess I am. But my job is necessarily to try to unite the world city, right? That's what our mission is. Well, first I had to figure out what that meant, what what the city was. Like, so in terms of understanding LA, I learned it with the eye towards how could we add value and bring people together. But you first have to understand just how diverse and disparate it is and try to try to come up with a theme and a way to describe it. And so the advantage of that is I've had the chance to fall in love with it, the bigger it. And, you know, not only get to understand what she is, but like love it, love her, (laughs) the city. Easy to love. And then what I'm so proud of. And what is so joyous is seeing these expressions of Los Angeles at our games. Yeah. You know, in the, yeah. fa- in the stands, on the pitch, the way John built the team to be a mirror image of the city and to be creative and on the front foot and getting after it and scoring goals and exciting and interesting. That's what L.A. is. So, and the civic pride that this is creating is really what sports is all about. And it's just so fun to be a part of the – the dynamic experiment in action. I'll, I'll, just to connect the dots there with, because LA, I, every time you see the portrayal of LA, it's such an amazing, vibrant city. You see Santa Monica Pier, you see the Hollywood sign, you see this, I go, man, you're barely touching the, t- the tip of the iceberg. There's so many incredible parts of the city that I think this club is doing a big part in opening up and I think people come in, see LA, go, I could spend three weeks here and not see the whole place. Well, that's, I mean, that's the point I wanted to make. I. I I love working with my coworkers, and I think we do a pretty good job of showing how the crowd is a mirror of Los Angeles. But yeah. I, I feel like some people still don't get it. Like if you haven't been here, you still don't get it because you do think like, well, yeah, well, where's the Hollywood sign? And like they know we have celebrity owners, but they're like, well, why don't you have more celebrities in there? They're just a part of it, man. Like this is this is what's real. And and I think the point is too when you say like, how did you how did you have a fan base that it seems like it's 20 years old? They were already here. They just didn't have the mirror. There was no reflection on them, right? There was really nothing well like said. that. Really well said. You and know? they all want the community. We all want a place to belong. And it's harder to do in Los Angeles because it's so diverse and spread out geographically and economically. And 
with the diversity of the ethnicities and everything. And so this chance to come together under this black and gold flag uh, has really resonated with people. We've done so we've done we've done a little bit of, of PR for our club, which we always do. But I want to I want to Max brought up a, a little oh. story because you guys have a connection, ESPN connection. Max, Max told me, Max, why don't you tell me the story about coming out here and trying trying to get the job? Because I, I just want to hear a little bit about well, Tom and Max's connection at ESPN and Max trying to get his job. I heard you who were gonna get, take the president's position here at LAFC. So you remember I'd come and meet you a few times. And I go, it wasn't like to ask for the job. I go, hey, Tom, how's it going? Planted the seed. I yeah. planted the seed, but there was the very first. I think it was the second time I came in. You were at the old office in Wilshire. And I told my wife, she goes, what are you doing? And I always said to myself, there's so many things I really wanted. I didn't go all the way through with it. And I talked to her and I go, look, uh, I set up a meeting with you and I said, I'm going out to LA from Connecticut for a day, just basically to meet you. And I went there and I saw some friends, saw some family, but I was there for 24 hours and I flew back. But that was basically the thing. So like if you canceled that meeting, I would have been uh, kind, of, kind of screwed. So I had to be back the next day for work. <laughs> but it was a lesson uh, to me about really what was required to do it. I knew when I would talk to you, even though there was no stadium, there was, no, there was nothing. But, but I wanted to get back to L.A. too. But when I saw that and then I spoke to you, then I really had a good feeling. I spoke to my wife when I got there and then it felt, it felt good. But I remember I just keeping up appearances kind of fucking you over like three years yeah what, what was it like having bredos just like hit the brakes. yeah continue to bother you over that time it was good i look from the beginning i felt like max would be a perfect match with us it was just a question of timing and our initial conversations were three years before we yeah. were going to play so there wasn't you, know, you can't hire do a hard sell right it's a little, <laughs> little premature so um and there were other really talented broadcasters that wanted to play a similar role and had reached out and, and talked, but knowing Max and how talented he is and how versatile he is and the ability to unleash his creativity through all these sorts of various means we have, including a podcast like this. You also um, had suggested, and I haven't ruled it out, is about doing a, some sort of variety show up up at free plate which i'm completely down yeah i could do my some characters yeah you sean should connery do, impression. you should do a sean connery you do it without cameras every you week be on it too. we should do a serious show where you're sean connery interviewing <laughs> me or somebody on football that done would, done free play monday nights tuesday nights they have trivia on monday night tuesday I'll nights. pay for that i'll pay to see that but uh no thanks for joining us you're doing oh, a great job no it's been great and you know we're just getting started with all our content, too. There's just so much more we can do, right? Thanks, Tom. That's all we wanted to talk about, me. Appreciate it. You're yeah, welcome. Max just wanted to get that on the record and just hey, wrap and it by up. by the way, I'm ready to do a taste of LAFC. Of LAFC. we got to go eat some Lebanese food. Oh, perfect. Because this is part that we don't, you don't know. You feel like the all-American guy, but your Lebanese background. Yeah. I had some... I was in London, actually. I had some great Lebanese food. It's all great. But you know, it is all great. But this is the one thing about Lebanese food um, that gets really competitive because there are some crossovers with some Middle Eastern cuisine and uh, maybe some North African cuisine. And they all claim it. They all say it's ours, the kibbe, the tabbouleh. Yeah, well, they all want the Lebanese stuff. But is it, is it, is it safe to say Le that's where it all began? It's where civilization started. <laughs> We're the, we come from the Phoenicians. We invented everything. But that's what I hear from the Persians, too. They say Iran, oldest country in the world. Like, okay, I'm not getting involved. <laughs> I just want to eat well. But that's all, you're on with that. All right, let's do it. You got your spot, though. We went to a good Persian place with Betashur, so yeah, we can have I a good that, I saw contrast. that and made me think, well, we got to give... 
my people a chance here. <laughs> I'm hungry now. That's what this show does. We make connections. We make food connections. And again, we take little segues <laughs> and alleyways. Well, Tom, I, I want to. I, I do want to thank you so much for coming on. And I, I want to add on to to Max's vibe about how you've kind of fostered um, a different kind of culture here. And it's it's a story that I tell people. And I told Max today. Uh, it was right here, PC. I was working. My phone rings, and it, it had a number that I didn't recognize. And I picked it up, and hello, hello. Couldn't hear the person. I hung it up. Phone rings again, same number. I'm like, man, it must be must be something important. It was a local number. Pick it up, and it's you. And you say, hey, Vince, can you hear me? And I said, yeah, yeah, I can, I can hear you, Tom. What's up? You go, hey, man, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. And I, and honestly, a lot of people say to me, yeah, it's just a phone call on your birthday. I go, but you don't understand. I've worked at other places that are just as big and have just, you know, people like that. And they don't do that. You know, they don't have, and you don't have to. And I think that's that vibe of we can feel like we're in this together. Um, it's not just, it's not just us, us talking about it. It legitimately was, and then you asked I me what I was up to. Up there. <laughs> yeah, you asked me what I was up to, and I was like, I'm working. And you said, well, I mean, that's what you do. Just keep creating. And it was like, it was just one of those moments where I was like, hey, man, he doesn't have to do that. No. That's awesome. Yeah, look, it's hard to uh, find the times and the places to let your coworkers know you care. And that's sort of been my thing on birthdays. I like to call and just say, I know and I care. And thank you for what you do for us. Because the truth is, Every one of you guys and all our, all everybody else at LAFC, you're giving of your life for the mission, and you're giving most of your day. Uh, your awake hours are just completely focused on adding value, and that's that needs to be recognized and it's so appreciated by all of us, and it's critical to the success of the club. So. Happy birthday, guys. Oh, happy yeah. Birthday. yeah. But you, you, you extend it to us, and you, you make time for us all the time, but you're also with everyone, the owners. You know what? I, I, I've noticed you with the owners. These are like the who's who of L.A. You know, Magic Johnson, Peter Goober, Will Ferrell, uh, Larry Berg, uh, Brandon Beck, guys that are, you know, the creme de la creme of the industry. And you, you keep them. I've seen you in the room with them. You keep them grounded. You take, you take jabs at them, and there's this really gregarious, fun exchange and I see it in their eyes that they love to deal with you so you make time for us you make time for them that's a full day they're great we have the best ownership group and the esprit de corps amongst our our group is just top-notch everybody at their best just a lot of mutual respect there's a lot of them but you make, you have to make carve out a little time for all these it's light all the owners everybody it's light and playful and everybody knows how they just want to help okay you know it's sort of the spirit of the club and they want to everybody's proud of it and this is their town almost all of them or they love los angeles if they're you know remote from asia and uh it's been it's been great that's been one of the great privileges of this it's not people oh my god it must be hard with all those owners that's it's it like, is. heck no it's freaking fun they're but you great. say that tom but a lot of places one owner one president one general manager and that's the message. But then you have all these owners, and you make it easy. But I, I feel like it, it can't be because it, there's never any kind of discussions about it seems like a singular discussion, as you touched on. And that's, I think, very hard to achieve. Well, we got a great dynamic with our lead managing owners, with Peter Goober, you know, these guys that all care and all have tremendous insights and are all willing to listen to each other. So we, yep. we keep coming up with great decisions as a group which is a lot of times better than one 
wacky billionaire making his own decisions and doing whatever he or she wants, you know, because that can go a bit haywire. Yeah, you kind of the checks and balances. It kind of works out really well. All right. That's, well, I could be here for a while, but yeah, we, we'll probably go down yeah, some we don't, slippery slopes, which is, is going to be bad for me at the end of the day. Yeah, good thing we're doing this, you know, around noon instead of a later later time. All right. All right. Anything else you want to any, – uh, anything you're really proud of? Anyway, Bringing Richard Roscoe on board? <laughs> I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> I'm proud to be a part of the podcast. This guy's the best, like, best, to, best guy to work for ever. Awesome. Yeah, wrap, wrap the segment. But again, we got that on tape. Yes, thank you. Good. Thanks, we'll, guys. We'll have on us. <laughs> Don't hit. And he didn't hit the red at all. You give me that. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll be back. We're going to talk about the Seattle game and get ready for not one, but two matchups with the Sounders. That's next on Inside LAFC. Back here on Inside LAFC, really cool to talk. Everyone should have five minutes with Tom. I think he probably made five minutes for everyone involved. Yeah. He's I mean, always at the stadium. People said he's just very easy. That's it. Like, like I said, I told that story about uh, my girlfriend and I going to that Christmas party. Just, you, you know who the – you gravitate towards him. Yeah. Like he's got the voice. He's got the smile. And, he, is. and, I, and legitimately, if you come up to him and say, hey, I want to talk five minutes, probably would. I don't know how he does it because, like I said, with the owners, with all the staff, with – you know, the soccer part, with the business part, with everything, the academy part, which we're going to talk about, it, it has to go through Tom, and he does a great job, and I think empowering people to do their job and getting, vetting people and getting the right people uh, has gone a long way, so yep. you, yes, be very, you feel very good about this club because of who's in charge. Yes. Okay, we're going to talk about Seattle, but let's talk about the academy, the, yeah. the, the GA Cup. Uh, got a couple wins against Mexican opponents. They did. This is a competitive... Uh, outlet. This is great teams, the best academies from Major League Soccer, best academies from uh, Liga MX as well. Yeah, you got a who's who of the, if, if you're not up to date on like what academies are really good, Toronto's in it, Philly, I mean, it's a who's who in that group. And it's, it's four MLS sides, four Mexican uh, Liga MX sides. Uh, they started out great. Uh, they got a 1-0 victory. Uh, it was something that was streamed on Twitch. Uh, if you missed that, that was a really cool opportunity to get to watch uh, you know, a, a U, for them to put a U15 game on, and MLS had Bobby Warshaw and David Goss commentating, like they did not, you know, it wasn't just a, a camp, steady camera yeah. and just like let them run. They actually did commentary. Um, it was a fun game to watch. 1 0 victory in that first match um, against, oh no, I'm blanking. The first game blanking. was against, was it Leon? No. No, second, Leon was the second, second game. game. First game was uh, Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul. Big Cruz Azul. name. Big name. Seven yeah. it's, all, it's all big names. So it's Cruz Azul, it's Monterey, it's Club Leon, um, and it's Chivas uh, Guadalajara. So those are all big names that they're playing. But oh, yeah, Chivas is not a big name anymore. No. Hard times. Yeah, it's been a little, little bit. Leon is but they have for, a great their senior team's best number one, and I think Tigres, Monterey are two and three. And, and Chivas still has a great youth system. And that's actually the, the game today that's probably kicking off. At, we're recording it's about 12.30. It's kicking off right now, but... Yeah, the Academy won the first game, won their second game 2-1 against Lyon, and unfortunately fell 1-0 to Monterey. Um, so they, they really need a result in this last one to maybe get in the final. But I think for a first showing, uh, you know, on a, on a high stage, you know, there's players that, that guys are talking about and that people, I mean, people knew who Tony Leone was going into the match. We have a guest player. That's the, fun, that's the exciting part. When you see these players, and they're like, this is the guy to keep an eye on. And they started this from scratch. This is yeah. an Academy out of thin air, and all of a sudden it's there. 
And yeah. if, like everything else LAFC does, it feels like it's been there for a while, but it hasn't. Yeah, and when it, what's great is when you watch them, they look a lot like the first team, the way they try to play. It's, there is an, a definite uh, through line from the academy to the top. It's, uh, if you want to learn more about it, I would say go on the academy's website. We did a Q&A. I did a Q&A with uh, Todd Saldana, who uh, talked to me, said he would come on the podcast after the uh, after uh, Dallas, after, yep. after GA Cup. So we might, might talk to Todd. But he basically talk, told me, like, yeah, well, we've been meeting with and sitting in on first team uh, meetings every morning, and, and you know every day you can see that guy's off with this first team coach, and this guy's off with this first team staff. So they're, they're it's seamless. Like they they literally it, it they've gone out of their way to not only make the teams play the same, but they're letting the coaches in on everything. So there's it's from top to bottom. Excellent. Um, and by the way, the first ever broadcast from Bank of California Stadium was not. LAFC Seattle on Fox. It was me and Todd Saldana uh, broadcasting under 14. He told me about that. <laughs> and I, did. I said, oh, we're doing, this is official. It's funny. Bunch of 14-year-old kids, 13, 12-year-old kids running around there, and they own that field. It's awesome that you bring that up, because after I was in there, he goes, hey, so uh, you and Max, what's that like? I go, it's fun. I go, you know what's funny? Uh, of all the things I do at LAFC, the number one question I get is, what's it like working with Bratos? No, get out of here. I'm not joking. They always, they always <laughs> want to know, well, Max, you got to think, and I've told he you. He was this. lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to have a beer. At, he's in El Segundo. I'm in Redondo Beach. We're supposed mm-hmm. to have an El Segundo Brewing Company. Have a cold one there. Maybe, the maybe we do the podcast from there. We could do it from there. Well, we can do it from anywhere. Uh, that great brewing company there. That one, fantastic. So uh, El Segundo Brewing Company, if you want to send some product, we're here for you. Yeah. I'll have it, we'll, we'll, we'll open that discussion. Should we just get into Seattle? Yes, I'm trying to. Oh, wait, let me let me let me end the story, Max. Yes, people do ask me about you all the time. You got to remember. Okay, we've talked. About I want to hear this. this you is... were you you remember remember when we could only get one game a week, and usually it was always seemed to be River Plate versus Boca. That's right. That's Max Bredos on that. Call. El Clásico del Domingo. So people need to know. They're like, hey, I vaguely remember that guy from calling all the games, and now he's he's calling games out. Where where was he? I go. He was at ESPN for. Oh, I don't watch ESPN. Oh yeah, yeah. I go. You know, you know, ESPN's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't watch that stuff. I go. Well, he's, he's yeah, I've seen uh, now. They go. Well, now I'm back in. Uh, I actually was. Uh, someone came up to me. It was Max Bredos, and this was an interesting conversation because the guy comes up. Uh, I think his name was Lewis. Forgive me. Uh, lovely guy. I met him outside of Rev's game, and he goes, "I got to be honest with you." All right. He goes, man, when I used to listen to you at Fox, I hated you. You were the worst. And then you went to ESPN, and then I think you really refined your stuff, and you're much better. I go, exactly. I loved my time at Fox, and I thought I, was, I wasn't I was the worst. I understand why people did it, but I was... Uh, what do you mean? There was no one else. <laughs> there was no one else. <laughs> the thing is, what I did is I did whatever I wanted in a broadcast. I mean, I would scream, yell, and there was no supervision. Uh, there probably should always be a little. And like some training at ESPN, I did it. And I said... You fine-tune it. You get older, you get wiser. So that's what his point was, and I'll stand by my all my work. But once you know, once you get in here long enough, you kind of get an idea of what's required in a broadcast, and that's a good feeling. Get it? It's a sixth sixth sense. All right, that's all. Done. <laughs> Done. All right, let's talk about this this game. Uh, top two teams in Major League Soccer. Uh, it could be for first in the West if Seattle's able to win. What's interesting now with LAFC losing to Vancouver, they are off the list of unbeatens. There are still two in Seattle and Houston, and Seattle's going to certainly wear that as a, a badge of courage. But they have been great. They've been scoring goals. And I think with LAFC and Seattle more than other teams, you look down that list of players, and it's really impressive. And you start losing digits on your hands when you list all the players that are really good. 
Uh, Jordan Morris is a guy you can add there because he's healthy and scoring. Uh, Will Bruin scoring goals. Rui Diaz is a guy that I think big picture is going to be their guy down the road uh, to score the goals, but he has company. Nico Lodero in the discussion as MVP candidates for everything he does. Uh, Christian Roldan, who's now a regular on the national team. You get back. Stefan Fry, I think, is statistically the best Still a goalie. Great, still a great goalie. Amazing. Sorry. This is Haller aside at Big California Stadium to open yeah, up the His building. moment to win MLS Cup for Seattle, that, that was the oh. save where he's reaching back. Yeah, that ball was behind him. That ball yeah. was literally in the net, and he just kind of dug it out. I mean, it's just an amazing list. They've done a really good of keeping and building talent. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is something that LFC would love to uh, uh, imitate with the success. They came out as an expansion team, I think in 2008, and immediately were competitive, immediately made the postseason, have been there. It took them a while to win MLS Cup, it just eluded them, mm-hmm. but they got that too, won US Open Cups. And they've, I mean, since they've come in the league, they've never had a dip. I mean, they, I think a couple of years where they finished fourth or fifth in the West and were able right. to fix it and make a run in the post, but they've always been there and that's really hard to do. And that's what makes this such a compelling matchup this time around in two weeks. Anytime they meet, this is a big game. Yeah, Seattle's great value, I think, to the league. And, and if LFC wants to look at it, and it's we've already seen what LFC wants to do, and it's kind of similar to that continuity. It seems like there's somewhat of a through line all the way through. I mean, finally, obviously, Alonzo's gone, right? Yeah. But there's still Chad Marshall. There's still Stefan Fry. And then they've been able to bring in guys and acclimate them well, like Ladero. Um, you would say that Rui Diaz seemingly feels like he's been in the team yeah. forever. And Even Clint Dempsey when he came, yeah. he put he logged minutes he, and he put some tenure in there for them. Yeah, it's like they bring in guys and they 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 work with the team for as long as they can. Whether whether they get older and they have to move on or they move on to bigger and better things, but there always seems to be just a core that they say, well, we're going to keep this core for this season. We're going to maybe just add spare parts, and I think that's yeah. When you talk about counting on your fingers, you're like, man, just I mean, they, Chad Marshall has been there forever, but they've. Instead of Ramon Torres, it's Kim Gigi, who's a, who I think is a very good center back. And it's just they kind of just tweak around the edges, always keeping a really good core. And I think that's what you're going to see is kind of the blueprint for LAFC. It's it's definitely what they've done in year two here. I mean, we've just really tweaked around the margins. I mean, when you're a team that gets 57 points, you don't have to throw it out the window. Yeah, no. I mean, you, you just and and they play and they know they know each other. And I think that's it. I just you, I can't explain it to you. You just have to see it. the continuity, especially when we talk about timing. Um, and attacking moves, knowing each other, knowing the league, being training day in and day out. Like you, you, it doesn't just come in a couple games. It doesn't come in a couple months. And if you can keep that group together for a year, I mean, you, you're onto something. And that's that's why somebody like Jordan Morris can go out for a full year, come back and feel like he's like, yeah, just start scoring goals again. That's just wow. what I do. When the schedule came out, I was a little disappointed to see the games back to back weeks. Uh, by the way, I'm doing the whole left-handed mic hold. Tom Payne has inspired me. He's got you. So um, I was a little bit disappointed to do that, but I've now to embrace it here, and this should be really interesting to see where the teams lie because it's almost going to feel like a playoff series where you go back and forth. And it's it's significant because you need to get points out of this because first place in your conference is illuminated because you get the bye, you get uh, home court, for lack of a better term, home court, home field advantage throughout uh, the postseason by and large. So this is... This is significant because I think the cream is already rising to the top in the Western Conference. I think these two teams are going to be there. I don't want to diminish Houston, but I think uh, depth-wise they might take some hits down the road. But they'll be a playoff team. I think the Galaxy are working on their depth. I think they 
sorry, Lacey, if anybody don't want to hear this, but they're going to be there too. I think somewhere in that two, three, four range. And I think those teams have kind of moved away from the pack. I would be surprised if any of them fall back in there, even though that is the rule in Major League Soccer where parity runs. But I think those, especially the three, the two LA teams in Seattle, have that look of got staying power to stay around and have the players to do it. So this is a significant pair of games. And, you know, LAFC, you've been the top dog. Do you want, do you want to get in that malaise where you, you take, you drop in points in back-to-back games? You, I think the reaction here is going to be huge on, on Easter Sunday for LAFC to see if they can, certainly at home, this, this is the game you need to win out of the two. Yeah, after that Vancouver game, I loved, towards the end of Bob Bradley's scrums, uh, a reporter asked, well, how do, you, how do you get your team up for this game? And he, he very, took it very gracefully, almost laughed with it, which is a good, better response than I could have given after losing. But he's like, how do, we, how do I keep them up for this? It's a season. This is what we do. Yeah. Like, they, we go out there, and, but, he's, but the, the key point he had in all of it was... Well, this Vancouver was a trap game because... Yeah, a trap game. That's, that's what they were trying to get to. But trap. The thing is, he said... You know, when you lose a game, now you got to have a big response. Yeah. And and now you. They're good at that. Last season, I think we saw that a lot. I think they've all yeah. I think they've always been really good at it. They, look, last season, LAFC did not lose more than two matches consecutive all season. There was no three match losing streaks, nothing like that. So they they shown that even if they lose two, they're gonna they're gonna back it up and get back on there. And I think yeah, you need a great response. And then obviously, you don't need any motivation in this match. I mean, I was just thinking. You know, we have that, that phrase, uh, you know, another just random phrase that we always throw out there. It's a classic six-pointer. But what happens when you play back-to-back? Is, are we now talking about a 12-pointer? Classic 12-pointer. Classic 12-pointer. Because unless, I think it's, I don't think it's possible, but it will be, it potentially will, but it could be the top two teams in Major League Soccer playing each other in back-to-back weeks. Back-to-back you don't have to say that a lot. No. And that's good for the teams playing. That's good for Major League Soccer. That's good for soccer fans in this country because... You you get that. Usually it happens once, rarely happens it's twice or in a week, unless you're maybe dealing with a, a conference final down the road. So this is significant. 12-pointer. Yeah, and I think these teams in particular, this is a good... Well, I'm sorry, before, I don't want to interrupt you, but what if LFC wins two games and all of a sudden they are nine points up on Seattle? Or if Seattle wins both games and now LFC, which had that lead, are now looking up three points back? Yeah, both teams have to be imagining... That that is a scenario that very well could happen after this week. That's why I kind of don't like this back to back. I would yeah. I would love it if we could play Seattle again. But I would say this: if anyone or not if anyone, but there's a few clubs I would like I would want to be in that. And I'm not saying this from the perspective of an LFC fan. I'm saying this from the perspective of someone that likes soccer. LFC and Seattle are two teams that like to play. I think we're going to get to see two actual good games. Although maybe the second one gets a little bit tighter because you you now see each other. But uh, Chris, like Christian Roldan was on uh, Extra Time Radio saying, I think we're going to have an open game. And I think he's right. I think we're going to have two teams that want to pass, two teams that want to play. So I think at the very least, we'll get two good games out of it. Now, you can imagine it could be, I don't know. I mean, LAFC Columbus back-to-back. I wouldn't love to see that. Columbus kind of – I mean, Columbus likes to play, but they're really very defensively sound. Or LAFC Red Bull back-to-back, just the press versus the kind of trying to get over the press. I'm just saying, I, I think this is – if I had to pick anything from a neutral perspective, I'd like to watch these two games back-to-back. All right, so that's going to be pretty, pretty cool. I know there's some key matchups to to look forward to. I think, obviously, we, we I think when the big DC United game came through, we looked at that midfield. I kind of look at that as well. I mean, everything the LAFC does really is built around that really talented midfield, and we saw if they didn't hit their marks as they did against Vancouver, 
the engine doesn't hum. Yeah. So, I mean, that said, Seattle has some real difference makers there. I mean, Lodeiro's a guy who can get in the attack, but he can help the midfield. I think Rodan is a guy who can really own a midfield. And if he can be quelled and LMC can kind of get through him at times, I think you have a situation where you'll have success. Yeah. But there's like a couple guys there, I think, that, that could dictate things there in the middle of the park. I mean, it's not a hot take by any respect, but if you no, control, no, it's a hot take. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you control the midfield, you usually have pretty good. I mean, and it goes both ways. You can control the midfield and control the other team defensively. You control the midfield, and like we said, you're able to play in your players like Carlos Vela, get Diego Rossi. If you can do that, and yeah, I, I agree with you. Roldan's a, a good two-way player. You got Svensson, who's probably just a, a really true defensive midfielder, versus LAFC's group, who kind of they're they're going to rotate. They're they know what spots they need to be in. It doesn't matter who's in that spot as long as somebody's in those spots. And it's yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I think the other key thing to look at and something Seattle really likes to do is just be wary, and I, I would look out for this if, if you're watching the game, they really like to go in pairs. So LFC is going to have to be wary of not being pulled out of position because Ladero kind of seems to hover around and then he'll, he'll jump in at that last second to kind of combine. So when you see two guys over there, know that they're going to look to combine and just kind of get through you that way. So I, I just think that, that those little nuances of the game are going are to make a fun game. But the best part is, look, if they go in pairs and you are able to to be rigid, and or not rigid per se, but you're able to keep your structure, turn that ball back the other way, transition's going to be there. Carlos Vela, they, you know, one of the topics that people have been saying about Seattle is they really like to attack down that left side. Well, you don't get you don't get your uh, reward for attacking down the left side. I know where that first out ball is going to be, and I know where Carlos Vela is going to take it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a compelling game. The more, when I hear you, Vince, I really get excited for it. I think we may have some guys coming back. We had Lee Wynn in the broadcast booth Wednesday. I know he's been practicing a bit. Maybe we'll we'll see some of these guys. Obviously, it was a, a, an 11 where some of the, the younger players got to start. I imagine some of the, uh, the old guard gets to return in there as well. So it's going to be a different look, certainly for that team. I'm hearing Latif is fine. Latif's fine. Well, That's good news. Worrying, I think Latif will be available. Yeah, my favorite moment of that game of Vancouver when Latif came off and Bob gave him this big embrace to say, "Hey, thanks for toughing it out. You needed it." Yeah, that, was, that was my favorite moment. It's it's tough. I mean, it's a nice tender moment between coach and player. Yeah, everything we Latif just brings something different. I mean, he's he's fun to be around, and yeah, I could I can imagine when Bob had to take him off. He's like, man. I don't, I don't want you to come off, but no. we got to keep you healthy. Dragging your left arm. So many subplots. Uh, the two talented Uruguayans, Lodeiro and Rossi. This is going to be a fun game. So get out there Sunday. I know it's Easter Sunday. You have a lot of family pants, but make this part of your day. Um, there's, think, a, there's a few of these left. Oh, why is it a parlay jersey? I don't know. Thank God you said that because I was like, I, I feel like I'm out. Or like anytime anytime somebody, says, somebody says to me parlay, I think Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> right? Or I, think the, I think the horse track, yeah. yeah. Or the dog track. Because in Miami, we had uh, Greyhound racing. So I parlay. Don't bet on dogs racing. Yeah. They don't. They're not really racing each other. They're racing some food. Yeah. They want a piece of food. That's all they want. It's no competition. All right. I think we're good. Yeah. Let's rock and roll. We had a good. I think we did some good work here. Thanks again to our special guest Tom Penn. And please subscribe to Inside LAFC. Leave comments, reviews, anything you want. It's your podcast as much as it is ours. Thank you for all the support, and we will see you next week recapping the Seattle game on our ninth edition of Inside LAFC. Any last words?